0: Good morning and welcome to First Christian Church. I don't even want to start today without first thanking you for Friday night. It was a great night for me, for my family, Uh, and I just want to say thank you for uh, your kindness and for the way uh, you show love. With that done, I want to talk about emotions. I want to wrap up this whole study on the book of Psalms today. I want to to prepare ourselves for next Sunday. My adopted nephew, Wilkie, is coming Sunday, and I can't wait for him to get here for you to meet him. I think he's going to rock your world. I think he has a tremendous story to tell, and I can't wait for him to share with you. And then we jump right into this whole thing called grace. And aren't you glad that you have heard about things like grace and forgiveness, mercy and kindness? We're going to meander our way not just as... A body of believers, but as a whole church, as we even explore that through our small groups. So it's going to be an exciting time. But this thing called emotions, they can be good or bad. Emotions can be a positive force or a destructive force in our life. Emotions can create an inner peace or an inner turmoil. They are some of the most difficult things we will deal with in our life, and it's all A part of how we're wired. Some people rely heavily on their emotions just to function. They choose to be controlled by their emotions. And usually, if someone is living their life that way, it's not very satisfying. They experience a roller coaster kind of feel in their life. When you talk about emotional difficulty, some people describe it as a churning in their stomach. They they begin to feel almost nauseated when they are at an emotional pitch. Some people describe it with headaches or backaches or neck aches. These feelings usually come with bad news or strong fears. Or some kind of strained relationship. And let me just say one word sometimes calls emotional upheaval. It's called children. (laughs) They can push it to the edge and beyond quickly. There's something called work. There are people like doctors and dentists that kind of create some emotional upheaval. Late night phone calls. And I know we're just one week into school, but there's a thing called teachers and homework that creates some emotional discomfort. These difficulties usually lead to the big Ds, if you will, today. Things like disappointment and discouragement and despair usually lead to depression. And i got to stop right here for like a 30-second timeout because... You need to hear this. Depression is not a sin. Are you with me? I know some people who teach that. I know people who say that, but they cannot support that biblically. It's not a sin. It's a difficulty. Some call it a disease. It's it's just a hard thing that we experience based on how we handle the Ds, the disappointment, the discouragement, the despair. It's an ever-present problem in our culture. David was a man who knew brokenness. In fact, the psalm that he wrote that we look at today, Psalm 142, is known as a psalm of sorrow. In fact, in the 150 psalms in this book, 48 of them are psalms of sorrow, Psalms, psalms of lament. Psalms of sadness, psalms of disappointment, despair, difficulty in and, and depression. In our culture, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, it's an estimate that 5.8 Americans suffer from depression annually. And it's not sin, it's just something that we need to be aware of and something that we need to understand. Depression literally means to be forced down. And we don't like being forced down with anything, do we? I mean, there's something about being crammed in that small space that kind of pushes us to another place. Have you ever done one of those MRI things? Anybody here enjoy that? Got to go in that little tube thing. and When I was having my back issues a few years ago, Man, I could hardly even sit down, let alone stay in a place very long. And they wanted to do an MRI, so I went in the tube. And man, I did nothing but pray. God, help me not to move. God, help this machine to blow up. Help me to get out of here. You know, it, it was just a weird, weird thing. Some people have fears of tight spaces. Some people have fears of being held down. Uncontrolled emotions, if we're not careful will force us down. Barbara Johnson speaks a lot to ladies. She has written things like uh, Pack Up Your Gloomies, Stick a Geranium in Your Hat and Be Happy, Splashes of Joy in the Cesspool of Life. That's got to be one of my favorite titles. She is a survivor. She is a lady who has controlled her emotions. She has refused to let her control... Or her emotions control her. Her most crippling sorrow and credentials for dealing with life's devastating experiencing of pain have to deal with her husband's involvement in a near-fatal crash that left him disabled. She lost one son in Vietnam. She lost another son to a drunk driver. She lost another son to a homosexual relationship. And she recently diagnosed with a chronic disease. So she knows hardship, she knows brokenness, she knows difficulty. And I'm willing to bet the ranch today, if I were to make my way around the room, I would be willing to bet that probably 95% of us in this room here today know disappointment and discouragement and despair. Those few who don't know that are just too young to know what it is. But we've all been there, haven't we? we know heartache we know hurt we know difficulty her philosophy her theme in her writings and the message that she highlights as she travels speaking across america is that pain is inevitable but mercy or misery is optional pain is inevitable but misery is optional and i like that pain inevitable we all have pain don't we But the misery is up to us. And I think one message that I want to share with you today, if you get nothing else, believer, -believer, non-believer, first-timer, long-time member here, the message that I want you to walk away with is that when you're unhappy, you have a choice as to how long you're going to stay that way. Are you with me? Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes life is hard and we have a choice to either let it affect us or control us or control it depression is real and some people dabble with it from time to time some people are in and out of depression some people it's it's a chronic scenario that they are a part of As I look at some of these people in Scripture, Jeremiah was known as what kind of prophet? The weeping prophet. And he wept a lot for the sins of his nation. Job was a man who knew depression, he knew brokenness. And I see him at one time in his life sitting on a dung heap, scraping himself Relieving himself, itching himself with broken pieces of pottery. And his friends said, Job, it's not worth it. What did his wife say? Hey, go ahead and curse God and die. John the Baptist, I'm sure he felt depression, difficulty, hardship as he sat in a prison. Wanting to know if Jesus was really the Messiah. Was he really the Son of God? Peter, after the denial. David, his experiences with depression in Psalms 42 and Psalms 142. If you have your Bibles, I just want to reference Psalms 42 before going to 142, because they kind of walk hand in hand, David describes himself as a deer, as a deer panting for water, as a deer thirsting to be cared for. He says, "My soul it thirsts for you, O God, for the living God." He says, "My tears have been my food day and night." These things I remember. And then he begins to talk to himself. Anybody here ever talk to yourself? It's usually when we're going through some type of an issue, we're feeling frustrated or difficult. My friend Diane was talking to herself a time or two this week, and I stopped by her office, and I said, Diane, who are you talking to? I said, myself. I said, when you start answering yourself, that's when I will call 911 and walk you out of here. But we do that, don't we? David says in verse 5, he talks to himself, why are you so downcast? Why are you so sad? Why are you so, um, uh, so low, my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. He tells himself, he reminds himself that he needs to trust God. And you can read that for yourself. It's kind of amazing the way he makes his way through his difficulties. And it paints a picture of this Psalm 142. He says, I cry aloud to you, O Lord. David wrote this under duress because it seemed as though evil was just almost overtaking his world. Anybody here ever think that evil is kind of overtaking our world? My gosh. Can it get worse? So he's feeling like it's overwhelming him. And he also has this feeling that, that he just can't he can't fix it by himself. Anyone here ever have a problem you just knew you couldn't fix it by yourself? Aren't you glad for good doctors and nurses and medications and friends and family and on and on the list goes to help you through difficulties? I cry out loud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before him. Before him I am, I tell my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, has your spirit ever grown faint? Have you ever felt bad, lonely, hurt, broken, depressed? It is you who know my way. In the path where I walk, men have hidden a snare for me. Look to my right and see. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. Now this kind of cracks me up a little bit because if you know anything about David during this time in his life, he was hiding from the king. He was a little bit out of sorts. But he had 400 warriors with him. 400 bodyguards with him. And he says, no one cares for me. No one. Seriously, David, put on your big boy pants. It'll be okay. It's not that bad. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge. My portion is in the land of the living. And and, and then he, he basically gives God three commands. He says, listen to my cry. Why? Because I'm desperate. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. So listen to my cry. I'm desperate. I'm at the end of my rope. You are my knot. And rescue me. And then he says, set me free from my prison. Why? So that I can praise your name. Then the righteous, those who are trying to live right, will gather about me because of your goodness to me. So in this piece of scripture, I want to kind of pull it apart today and show you when you're not feeling good and it's not a sin not to feel good. But when you're going through one of those times, I want to give you a formula that comes right from this text to help you process through. Fair enough? So... Let's remember that pain is inevitable, but misery is is optional. And with that behind us, let's begin to unpack this piece. The first thing that David did, he admitted that he was in trouble. My friends who are recovering alcoholics who are with us today, you've told me before, the first step is to... to admit that you have an issue, right? I mean, that's where it starts. And once you admit that, then you are on the road to healing or the process has kind of gone down that path. So you need to admit that you are in trouble. David says, I cry out loud. The phrase means that he literally shrieks. Now, is there a difference between crying and shrieking? Do this? Yeah, (laughs) there is. I've had grandbabies around for a day or so. There's a difference between crying and shrieking. And there's a difference between kind of crying and real crying. You know, and parents can tell that. Nah, he's just messing with you. No, something's wrong. Go check that boy out. You know, that's kind of the deal. The Hebrew word means to sound as thunder. Thunder to bellow, to make loud noise like what's coming out of my ear over here. Something's amok. The word trouble means to be tied tightly or restricted, cramped up. I'm in a tight fix, if you will. Anybody have little ones at home? Those things called the car seat, are you kidding me? When I was a kid, I'm surprised I'm still alive. I drank out of our holes at home, one for me, one for the dog, one for me, one for the dog, one for me, one for the dog. You don't do that nowadays. I can remember driving around Villa Grove, Illinois, either on my dad's lap as he drove, standing up beside him as he drove. I'm surprised I'm alive. We rode bicycles in our little shorts Sometimes a t shirt and my ball cap, no shoes, no socks, no helmet pads, no helmet, no bubble wrap. I'm surprised I'm alive. And now we have car seats to keep our kids safe, don't we? And you gotta be six foot two, six hundred and thirty pounds to get out of those things. I can't remember if it was Matt or Andy, their families, whatever. We were at the mall. Somebody was little. They were still asleep in the car. We went to the mall. I'm not a big fan of the mall. I said, I'll just stay in the car until the little guy wakes up. He woke up, and I had to get him out of his car seat. I had no idea how to do that. I ended up, this lady stopped. She said, honey, can I help you? I said, maybe. I took the whole car seat out put it in the stroller and began pushing it away. I got inside everybody was laughing at me, but I did it. I did it. The word means to be restricted. I'm taking a little liberty with the text here, as with a car seat. To be tied up, not a whole lot of movement. He says, I declare, that means he wanted nothing hidden. He wanted everybody to know and Sometimes depression stems from the fact that we either cannot or will not acknowledge and confess the problem and we try to keep it to ourselves. It is healthy to seek help. It is healthy to seek counsel. It is healthy to surround yourself with good wisdom. Psalms 32.3, there was a man there who was going through a difficulty, and he began to deteriorate, basically, physically, because he wouldn't share it with God. And then the Bible says when he began to share it with God, he began to recover from his, his difficulty. You know, they say that confession is what? Confession is good for the soul. And it's good to get it out. There's an old hymn that we sing. It goes like this. What a friend we have in Jesus all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And a lot of times when we're going through a difficulty, God is our last answer, isn't he? I mean, we try to fix everything ourselves, do everything ourselves, and finally when things just aren't working, we think, my gosh, maybe I ought to pray about this and bring God into the the deal. We need to admit that we are troubled. That's the first step when we are feeling low, when we are feeling sad, blue depressed. The second thing we need to do is to ask God to help deliver us from the difficulty. Psalm 142, verse 3, 6, and 7. Don't run unless you run into the arms of God. There's nothing to run from, Matthew 3 says that we need to get to the place where we realize that we are poor in spirit. This is one of the Beatitudes. Happy is the man, blessed is the man who is poor in spirit. That does not mean that you are physically poor. That means that you realize that you are completely without, without God. And the only way you're going to get through life is to connect to him. I guess I should say the only way you're going to get through life in a positive way is to connect to Him. So that's where it needs to be understood. Simply pour out our complaints, our needs, our brokenness to God. The third thing to remember is that our salvation is not dependent on how we feel our our mood or our emotion. Emotions are not the final authority. Emotions are just a part of life. We are not saved by how we feel, but we are saved by what Christ did on the cross, on God's plan that makes us perfect in our our walk. Joe Gargiola, it's kind of a hard name to say. My wife's Italian, maybe I'm related to this guy some way and don't even know it. He's an ex-athlete, ex-broadcaster, but he tells the story. He said that one day before a game, he went to visit a local pharmacy. He said, from the shelves, I took some extra-strength Tylenol, a 12-ounce bottle of pectate, a plastic knee support, supply for corns, some dristan, a vaporizer, and a remedy for sore gums. He took all that stuff to the counter, and he paid, and the clerk bagged everything and said, have a nice day. Seriously? I mean, we all have good days and bad days, don't we? I mean, they come and they go, and that's kind of part of who we are. Understand this, we will have good days and bad days, but don't ever forget that our salvation is secure because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of God's grace, not because of what we did or didn't do, but because of his love for us. It makes all the difference in the world as to how we live. Then we can have a nice day. The fourth thing I need to share with you about this piece is if we keep our eyes on Jesus' depression, it could be a roadblock. Feeling bad could be a roadblock but it's not the dead end. It's not the the final thing. It's temporary. Life is a series of efforts. It's a series of ups and downs and it's a series of allowing things to either upset us or motivate us or drive us. We've been attaching a New Testament scripture to a lot of these psalms and it comes out of Romans 8, and the Bible says there, we know, we know we can rest assured that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and to those who have been called according to his purpose. So regardless of how bad the difficulty, regardless of how intense the hurt, understand that God's plan is still still working for you and with you. And finally, one thing, we need to always lean on the power of God and the insights that are found in God's Word. You know, that's why it's so important to read God's Word on a regular basis. We need Word intake. We need to intake the Word. We need to study the Word. There are so many things going on in there that can help us if we just read the Word that's why Sunday school is so important another venue to study and to learn to grow, that's why small groups so very important and if you're not already connected to a small group this fall I encourage you to pray about it and think about it and hook up somewhere because you can be stretched to the nth degree and for some reason in our culture many times when we're going through difficulty we are too proud too proud to seek help aren't we? Big boys don't what? Big boys don't cry. My dad's with us today, and when I grew up, we grew up watching Gunsmoke, High Chaparral, Bonanza, The Rifleman, Have Gun, Will Travel. I mean, John Wayne's still a big part of who I am, who I... That's the way we, we are. So understand this. Pride sometimes can be our greatest downfall. A well-known story of a soldier in the army of historical king, the king of Frank's Charlemagne in the ninth, ninth century. There was a soldier who was in charge of protecting the rear, the back of the army. His only job was to hang back. And if he saw the enemy come in behind them to try to pressure them or surround them he had this big old horn he was supposed to blow all he had to do was blow a horn they fought a battle and that is exactly what was happening but he didn't want to blow the horn he wanted to watch his troops do battle and because he was late blowing the horn his friends died on the battlefield simply because he was too proud to blow the horn Anybody here today too proud to blow your horn? (laughs) Ladies, I think God gives us the same emotions, don't you? Us guys, we have the same kind of emotional makeup that you have. However, you are just so more in touch with your emotions than we are. And you have no problem blowing your horn. And it's us guys that have a problem letting it out describing how we heard, what we're feeling. We choose to stay, to stay down. Margaret Fishbeck, though young, she suffered severe heartaches in her life. She loved the man dearly, and right the day before her wedding, he left her. Then after that, she... Contracted meningitis. And she said it was one of the lowest parts of her life. She had a brother who introduced her to a man by the name of Paul Powers. And she really resisted him because he was so kind to her, so gracious, so charming. And he asked her to marry him, and she said no because she just didn't want to trust anybody or love anybody that way anymore. She prayed and prayed to God that he would uh, help her with her confusion, her frustration. And she said later she um, wrote a poem back to God once she was starting to feel better. And here's, here's the words of the poem. Maybe you recognize this. She says, one night a man had a dream. And he dreamed that he was walking along a beach with the Lord. Across the sky flashed scenes from his life, and each scene he noticed that there were two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to him and the other to the Lord. When the last scene had flashed before him, he looked back at the footprints and noticed that many times along the path there was only one set of pr- footprints in the sand, and he also noticed that this happened during the lowest and saddest times of his life. This really bothered him, and he asked the Lord these, these words. Lord, you said that once I decided to follow you, you would walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the most troublesome times of my life, there was only one set of footprints. I don't understand. I don't understand why when I needed you the most, you deserted me. And the Lord, Jesus replied, my my precious, precious child, I love you and I would never leave you during those times of trial and suffering and heartache. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was because it was then that I was carrying you. Who would have thought that that poem that we all know was written under that type of circumstance? The people who consistently manifest the greatness in life and joy are those who live above their circumstances. Are those who realize that pain is inevitable but misery is optional. And the next time you feel difficulty in your life I encourage you to approach it with God that's why we have communion every Sunday Because sometimes our week is tough is it not sometimes not so much but still times we need God and I want to give you the chance today to to intimately approach the throne through communion and I encourage you to silently pray that God would take care of your issues Maybe you could celebrate the joy that you have right now in your life with who you're sitting by or what you have going on in that kind of experience, but just become intimate with the Father today. After our time of communion, there will be a time of offering, and I just encourage you after that time, if you have a decision to make, to come forward and talk to me, I would love to pray with you. I would love to help you through your hurt. I would love to introduce you to my God. Will you pray? Father God, this is your day, and we thank you for it. And Father, we, we know, you know, sometimes life hurts, and sometimes it's so hard. Father God, help us to always turn to you, and help us to never quit, to never surrender, to never, never, never give up. It's in your son's name that I pray.